welcome to the Happy, Healthy, Unfiltered Woman podcast. I'm your host, Jen Braun, a mom to the spunkiest little girl, a dog lover, ice cream obsessed, and overall, I'm pretty awkward in social situations. (laughs) And we are here to break down the topics that we deal with as women with no topic off limits. This podcast is for you if you're struggling with dieting, tired of restricting, want to truly change your life and feel confident in yourself once and for all. I am so excited to have you. Let's get to today's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome. Welcome back. We are so excited to have you. I am overjoyed to have Lakshmi Nair here with us today for her amazing uh, expertise. She is a licensed addiction counselor with more than 10 years experience with mental health counseling, behavioral and health issues, and her main goal is to optimize wellness. Welcome, Lakshmi. We are so excited to have you. Thank you, Jen. I'm very excited to be here today. Oh, we are so excited. So today we are talking about the journey of self-compassion, something that Lakshmi specializes in. And I think that she's going to provide us so much um, information and, you know, a wealth of knowledge. So I'd love to to know, Lakshmi, how do you know when to start your self-compassion journey? I think it's something that feels very, um, very hard to conceptualize a little bit for for a lot of us. Sure, sure. Um, And I think that's a great place to start. So, you know, sometimes what happens uh, for a lot of us, um, especially women, especially those of us who identify as a woman with so many roles and we're trying to do so many things at the same time and do all of them perfectly, sometimes what happens is we have this little inner voice that is very critical, And taming that inner critic becomes crucial to our optimal functioning. Um, So when that inner critic kind of becomes louder and starts interfering with our ability to be everything that we know we can be, that's where we need to start uh, figuring out how we can apply self-compassion. Right, so that we can kind of um, quieten that critic. We all have a parent, an adult, and a child inside of us, and sometimes it's the parent that gets overly critical. So, when that happens, and when we find that it is, you know, really kind of um, interfering or obstructing um, our own potential, we know that we are in need of some self compassion. That totally makes sense. And I feel like the, and sometimes it, you have to get really, really um, low or, you know, not take care of yourself for a long time before we really recognize that. And that's why I think this is important to really bring to light now. So we don't have to get to that super, you know, low point where we've lost ourselves um, in order to start initiating this. Agreed. Agreed. If we can catch it early, um, we have a better chance of sort of, um, you know, maintaining our our wellness while we do it. On the other hand, like you said, if, if we are not aware um, that we can uh, kind of interrupt it, then sometimes, you know, we go down that, uh, that very slippery slope of depression. We go down that very slippery slope of feeling inadequate and low self-worth, which can all be, can be a much harder mountain to climb once we get to that space, like you said. thousand percent, a thousand percent. Where do triggers start that can affect how we don't show ourselves compassion? 
So a lot of times, you know, it's interesting because a lot of the messaging comes from um, our childhood. And that, those are scripts that we didn't really write for ourselves or we didn't choose for ourselves, right? Um, but it, they have become so much a part of my internal dialogue that I'm not even able to kind of like necessarily separate it from who I am or what I'm becoming. Um, you know, they, they just feel like um, they're this uh, essential part of me, which is untrue because I didn't write any of this for myself, right? Yeah. And, and so, you know, if I kind of challenge them, I might even be surprised. I'm like, wait a second, that's not even true, right? Um, but we often don't stop to challenge them because mm -hmm. they become just like a, a, a part of the the role we play or the or the roles that we understand we are meant to play right so a lot of this ha what what happens is it's formed and shaped in childhood and then we carry it over to adulthood and in childhood it probably served some function um but in but as an adult we re we when we stop to think about it we realize wait that function has expired a long time ago mm -hmm. Right. We, we don't we don't need this anymore. Um, and, and so so so, you know, I think that that's that's that whole, you know, kind of like gray area, if you will. You know, how much of this do I need right now? How much of this am I going to choose to keep as part of that inner dialogue and how much of it can I let go of? It makes sense. Absolutely. And kind of going off of that, like, how do we learn? to be more compassionate ourselves when we've been raised um, or told or seen that it's not, not normal. Like how do we pull that out? Um, even if we do identify that that's not um, useful or serving us, you know, at this stage in our lives. So, you know, there's a, there's a shortcut method, right? I'm, I'm actually quite big on shortcuts because I feel like some of us just don't have the time to be in like, you know, these long um, self-improvement kind of uh, programs and stuff. So the mm -hmm. shortcut method for self-compassion is that we, um, we learn to give ourselves the same kindness and care that we would give our very best friend. Right. So most of us, when our very, very good friend and I underline very, very good friend, because with a with our best friend, we are not going to dilute standards for that person or we are not going to just say something that uh, we think they want them to hear. We, we we are invested in their wellness and in their growth. So a very good friend, if they come and tell us something that they are not um, feeling comfortable about or they feel that they are not doing um as well as they would want to or something's not working out we most of us tend to be very kind and non-judgmental right we tend to not um we we tend to uh, give them um you know feedback that would be helpful but in a kind way in a generous way right uh but most of us don't know how to direct that back to ourselves mm -hmm. So when I talk to myself, I say, oh, my God, I'm such a loser. I'm so lazy. Uh, I can't do anything right. Um, when we talk to our best friends, that's not the language we use. Right. Um, so with self-compassion, the shortcut method is to kind of think about maybe even role play. You know, what would I tell my best friend? Mm -hmm. 
and then direct that back to myself. Because the art of being my own best friend is what is sort of encapsulated in that idea of self-compassion. Yes, we know how to be compassionate to other people, but that compassion starts with me. Because when I take care of me, then I can take care of others. That advice is so, so invaluable and being able to pivot that um, conversation Mm -hmm. and then know that we're actually talking about ourselves is is great. Um, Thank you for that. How do we let go of the shoulds? You know, I think a lot, you know, like you've been saying, goes back to childhood and what we should be doing um, or even just living differently than than those around us. How do we, you know... Um, how, how do we let go of those if different, you know, lifestyles or, or decisions serve us better? So, yeah, so that's something that um, I think we can all kind of um, use a little practice with. Um, so these these rules that have been kind of set for us, right? So when we talk about shoulds and oughts, these are these rules, that other people have kind of uh, uh, normalized for us, in a sense. Um, And we are capable and we deserve to be able to challenge some of those shoots. And again, like I said, I'm big on shortcuts, right? So Mm -hmm. my shortcut is, who said? Who said this? Right? So, oh, I should... um, or, or you know, we, we or good mothers uh, should not work. Or good mothers should work and be there for their children when they need them. Good mothers. Should. And then I just stop and say, who said? Right? The house should be clean and tidy and the laundry should be put away every single day. Who said? So when I ask myself who said, it grounds me in the moment. Mm-hmm. Right? It kind of like helps... Um, sort of filter through all of that, the the other the stuff, if you will, and and grounds me in that moment of like, yeah, who said, right? And that allows me to rethink if I want whoever said this or whoever is saying this to continue to dictate how I do things, when I do things, etc. Right. So that's like the shortcut method of, you know, um, getting rid of some of these shoulds. And I can find just one exception. Like, um, you know, if I say, uh, oh, um, I should be kind and loving. Um, and if I say, who said? And if I'm saying I said, OK, that's my value then. Right. Then that's fair. Then I'm going to keep that. Right. But if I say. Um, you know, well, um, I should be able to um, take care of my kids and my parents and my husband and taking care means that I should have a hot meal for all three generations every single day at six o'clock. Who said? Right. And I'm like, I don't know who said it, but I didn't say that. That's not my voice. Okay. And then I can kind of like get rid of that shirt. That makes if sense. If it's coming in my voice and if I can kind of, if I want to identify with that voice, um, it's my value. But if I don't, then I can get rid of that shirt. 
So it also helps to sort of like, it's like a value clarification exercise happening simultaneously. Absolutely. That totally makes sense. And I think that, you know, being able to identify and navigate where those voices come from and yeah. how, how you want to process them is, is fantastic. Yeah. Um, at what point, you know, because I, I, I think that some of these things are very tangible and we'll talk about mm-hmm. things that people can take away today and start doing, but also, you know, obviously there's deeper with trauma and things like yeah. that, you know, so at what point should uh, we seek out therapy, like professional advice and what kind of credentials should we look for with so many um, coaches or, you know, mm-hmm. things like that out there? Um, what, uh, at what point and, and what are we looking for in someone that can support us on this? Very, very important. Yes. To make that, um, um, those to to make that that subtle kind of um, awareness out there, right? To bring about that subtle awareness, very very good point. Um, one of the things that I would recommend that everybody kind of do is to watch for um, how some of these symptoms are being showcased, right? So. Uh, duration and intensity is one of the biggest factors that lets us know when we need to seek professional help. Uh, help. So most of the day, every day, for nearly two weeks, and we don't have to go a full two weeks, but most of the day, every day, for nearly two weeks, if I'm feel like feeling tearful, helpless, hopeless, worthless, if I'm noticing um, changes in appetite or sleep, either more or less, right? Any changes from baseline. Um, And or if I'm feeling kind of like nothing is giving me joy. Even the things that I used to like to do before. I used to like to go out with friends, but guess what? I mean, that's not, that's just flat, right? Like like when life starts feeling like a Coke that's lost its fizz, kind of like completely Mm -hmm. flat. And I feel like, most of us will have a day here or there or maybe two days here or there depending on a situation or a circumstance but most of the day every day for nearly two weeks if I'm feeling that way that is a red flag that tells me stop get professional help great great um guidelines I think that that's super super clear and allows us to to understand that thank you Right. And the only thing I'll add is that sometimes, you know, we are nervous. Oh, my God, I don't want to go on medication. I don't want to be labeled this. I don't want to be given this diagnosis. And I always encourage people, right? If you're feeling like that, any of those kind of symptoms, most of the day, every day for nearly two weeks, you're just going to get an evaluation. And maybe it's going to be just to rule out anything else. Right. But at least then that gives us the confidence that, okay, all of that is ruled out. I can do what I need to do, whether it be mindfulness exercises, whether it be other self-compassion exercises. And I can do that safely, um, you know, by myself because I've ruled out all the more extreme conditions that might need um, a, a little bit more support, a little bit more professional support. Absolutely. Totally makes sense. And who, um, you know, are the, the best people, professions, you know, to, to go to so that it can be the, the healthiest and safest um, support? So again, for evaluations and assessments, I would always suggest that you start with, a, um, you know, 
a mental health provider. Um, and depending on it, depending on the severity of it, maybe a, a psychiatric provider. It doesn't have to be a psychiatrist these days. There are a lot of psych APRNs. They are more in network with a lot more insurances. So sometimes mm-hmm. they're just more affordable. A lot of psychiatrists don't take insurance or so they take very limited insurance and they can be very expensive. So you can start with the psych APRN if you feel like you need a, a, a really in-depth psych eval. Right. But if it's more a mood condition and if you think that you want to start, uh, you would be comfortable starting um, uh, without a psych eval necessarily, you can really go to any licensed clinician. And I say licensed because in mental health, as you said, you know, there are a lot of people who practice and and everything they practice is real and valid. Um, it's just that when we start this journey, it's better to start it with a licensed professional. So you have licensed clinical social work licensed professional counselors, right? Um, And then you have licensed um, uh, marriage and family therapists. These are like the big three, three big schools. And marriage and family therapy, I would say, maybe not so much unless it is really related to a relationship or a marital kind of a situation becomes very specific. But you know, a licensed clinical social worker or an LPC, a licensed professional counselor will do the relationship piece of it as well. And also, offer the other, you know, um, support in terms of just general mental health and, and well-being. So, so that's where I would start. Psychologists also people, you know, so psychologists cannot prescribe medication. They have mm-hmm. a PhD. Um, you know, they tend to uh, focus a lot on measurement. So I'm not a big fan of starting with them mm-hmm. because it can feel a little bit, um Demoralizing. Everything is being put in put into numbers. Mm-hmm. And that has its place, um, but sometimes not for someone who's starting this journey. Okay, great, great information. Thank you so much. Um, do you have some examples of self compassioners that listeners could start today? Sure. Um, so one of the things that um, that all of us can, I think, benefit from is um, carving out. 10 minutes a day, right? It doesn't have to be more than that for just us. And so uh, the lay person calls it me time, but I want people to start defining what this me time really looks like. For everybody, it's not going to be a manicure or a pedicure mm-hmm. or eating a piece of cake. Mm-hmm. Right? For some person, it might be just sitting on the deck for five minutes or 10 minutes. For another person, it might be doing a stretching exercise in the morning, right? So really taking a little bit of time to define this um, me time because the way I define, and this is really important, the way I define this 10 minutes of self-care is what am I doing for myself so that I can give the best of me to others, not what's left of me. Good. Okay, so that's one thing that a, a place that I think we can all um, start from just 10 minutes, right? Um, the, the other thing for, I think, self-compassion would be, you know, for those of us who have not tried it, I think it's a worthwhile exercise to journal, mm-hmm. right? And journaling doesn't have to be long and it doesn't have to follow any grammar. You can write your shopping list for all I care in the journal, right? But the only rule is like before you finish journaling for that day, right? Just write two things that you have done that day that you are proud of, right? Not something that you have, but something that you've done that you are proud of. 
Okay, so journaling becomes a really good way of sort of accessing um, compassion and turning it towards ourselves. I love that. I love right? that. And, the, and I would say the third thing that we can start like immediately is to just be able to identify supports. Mm -hmm. like who are supportive of us? Who do we really feel? And by support, when I say support, I mean people who are, you know, minimum criteria. They should be easily accessible. So, yeah, I mean, somebody, uh, an ER doctor might be great, but they're not accessible when I need them. Mm -hmm. Right? So, someone who's easy, easily accessible, someone who, you know, is non-judgmental. So, not someone that Lakshmi says is non-judgmental, but someone that that person feels not judged by. Right. Um, th that's up to us that I'm the expert on my own life. So if I feel as if someone is judging me, then I'm not going to identify them as supportive. Right. And then I, I, I generally I would say, you know, someone who is, you know, um, sober, not under the influence of drugs and alcohol and stuff, because no matter how much they want to be supportive, sometimes their own um, struggles kind of limit that support that they can give us. Right. So identify who is my support? Who can I go to? So I would say these are like the three things that we can do immediately. There are a lot of things that we can do, of course. But I think your question is like, what can I do to start today? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, so helpful. And my last question is how long, you know, we know this is not a, always a, a linear um process so like how long does it take you know it's very individual but to to feel the effects of self-compassion like what might that look like when you know we have the ebbs and flows of it as we're you know getting stronger in that so i think that it's hard to put a duration like in terms of time but what we are going to find is that um when we have practiced self-compassion Right. And when we are kind and understanding rather than harshly self-critical. Right. Um, especially when we make mistakes or things like that. And when we can be kind instead of joining the fight club, when we can be kind to ourselves. What we um, notice is that we become more resilient. So that to me would be the indicator that I'm I'm practicing self-compassion enough. Right. I'm coping with life. Not not, not being strong and stoic, but being resilient, right? Being flexible, bending so that I don't break, right? Um, and, and that would be the indication that, yes. And, the, and generally, uh, there's a lot of research that indicates that self-compassion also supports physical well-being. So, Jen, you asked that question earlier, and I'm just going to go quickly back to that. One of the things, um, you know, if I'm feeling kind of like, you know, most of the day, every day for nearly two weeks, those symptoms that we talked about, one of the things that I would also recommend, and this is something that we can do, um, hopefully that we are doing uh, at regular intervals, is to go to uh, our primary care physician so that they can rule out things like thyroid. Mm -hmm. Or they can, you, you know, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of uh, interplay that mind-body um, connection right so so self-compassion we will know that we are practicing self-compassion when we start feeling physically better when we feel more resilient and able to cope with life in in a way that is um, that feels adaptive to us 
Absolutely. Right? Uh, I know that that's a bit of a, um, it, it's because it's just what you said. For each person, it'll be different. It'll yeah. take a different amount of time, right? We all have different goals. But we're going to find that when we practice that self-compassion, we're going to find that relationships become more meaningful. My, you know, I, I, I feel a certain level of physical well-being. It motivates us to make the changes and reach our goals, not because we're inadequate anymore, but because we care for ourselves and we want to be happy, Okay. That's when we know that, yes, we are practicing self-compassion and it's working. Amazing. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I totally understand everyone is different. Everyone's got different um, a different journey. But I think having those, like, what should I be looking for? You know, obviously, what can I do now to, to work on that? And obviously, the, fat, the identifiers of when do I need, you know, that extra level of, of support um, is so, so helpful and invaluable because, you know, the main um, purpose of this, you know, podcast and conversation is to really talk about these various components that mm -hmm. when we are focusing on just dieting or just, you know, making our bodies smaller, I think we cover up a lot of these yeah. issues just to be able to get everything done and, and, and not digging into it only builds up so that your, your information was so, so valuable. Thank you so much, Lakshmi, for being here and, and helping us with this information. We are so grateful for your time. Thank you, Jane, for this opportunity. I really enjoyed it. I hope your listeners will get something from this conversation that we had. I think absolutely. I mean, I learned things, so I think I think everyone will. Awesome. Um, so thank you all for listening, and we are so excited to have you. Um, as always, put comments in the comment section if you have questions or things that you're struggling with. We are happy to talk about it, but we will see you guys next week. We love you. Thank you so much for listening to the Happy, Healthy, Unfiltered Woman podcast. I am so grateful to have you in this community. Follow me on Instagram at jenbron.rd for more information on creating your most confident life. I also have a link in my show notes to my free Facebook community. Inside there, there's free training, community support, all for free. You don't want to miss out on that. And if you're ready to ditch dieting for good, not feel ashamed of your body and create the life you desire, message me on Instagram and apply for my allowed program. Let's transform your life. See you next time.